Mindfulness Mode, Episode 46. It really kind of hit me that what I was doing was I was meditating. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I want to challenge you today. If you know anyone whose life would be improved with mindfulness, to share this podcast with them. Thanks for the great reviews on iTunes. I'm going to read one by T. Lawson 21. Just discover this podcast and I really dig it. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Alan Meisner here with me on the line today. Hey, Alan, are you in mindfulness mode? I am tuned in and totally present, yes. Perfect. Alan Meisner is a CPA, Certified Public Accountant, and also a Certified Internal Audit. He's also passionate about being physically active and healthy and believes wholeheartedly in the practice of mindfulness. As part of this focus on health, Alan is also active as a Certified Personal Trainer. He's also worked in various industries, including oil and gas, retail, technology, hospitality, manufacturing, and for 16 years as an internal auditor. Hey, Alan, you have a very interesting life. Would you tell Mindful Tribe what's most exciting for you right now? Well, uh, right now we have two daughters that are about to graduate from college. So um, we're in our last year of that and really looking forward to them starting their new lives and getting out in the world. Oh, yeah. Well, that's exciting. And I have a son just starting high school this year, and he's had a great first term. So it is exciting what our family is up to, that's for sure. And so, Alan, you're starting a new podcast. Tell us about that. Well, um, you know, throughout my life, I've I've, uh, spent a lot of time uh, in the fitness uh, industry, at least, uh, you know, in gyms myself and and some personal training. And about three years ago, uh, I had done like a self-evaluation and said, you know, I really need to, uh, to shake this up. And you know, look at the things that really make me happy. And, you know, it was always when I was working in that environment, when I was with people in, in a gym or, or doing or helping people uh, get fit and healthy. And so I decided about three years ago to really take on my health. And uh, in doing so, educating myself, I, I sat for the certification exam for uh, NASM, Certified Personal Trainer, uh, and and am now certified and have a few specialties that uh, and so the podcast is kind of an extension of of me starting a part time personal training business. I'm going to start it online and then develop it from there. That sounds great. So, Alan, when did you first start being interested in mindfulness? That sort of came about over time. I was I was effectively doing some of it, but I didn't know I was doing it. You know, I've I've always known about meditation, but I didn't, you know, I didn't realize, okay, you don't have to be meditating, meditating to actually be mindful and to be getting the benefits of mindfulness. So I would say over time, it, it developed as just a, a way to deal with stress and just the way I personally uh, interacted with myself. And, um, you know, eventually I started picking up on some of the other aspects of it and have been developing a practice for myself over the last few years. Well, as an auditor, I imagine you must have considerable levels of stress at some time. Can you tell us how mindfulness has helped with that specifically? 
Well, you know, when you're in a corporate environment uh, and things are not going well for the corporation, uh, everything kind of gets sped up and, and everybody gets a little frustrated. And if there's one individual that no one really wants to see at their front door of their office, it's the auditor. Right. And so I'm not necessarily the most liked person in my company and not always the most respected. So, you know, I have to present a professional, calm demeanor, uh, even when the people I'm talking to won't necessarily be doing the same for me. So just finding that professionalism, getting past the stress of some of those situations, I found that if I slow myself down before I go in and I'm really self-aware, uh, I can I can deal with those situations a lot better. So can you tell us about a specific situation where there was a lot of anger and frustration and and it was just almost overwhelming and yet you were able to really deal with it through mindfulness? Yes. Uh, at one of my previous employers, uh, we had gone through a, a fairly terrible accounting fraud uh, that had the company delisted. Uh, and a lot of other bad things happening within the company. And one of the executives uh, uh, basically called in an outside firm uh, to study my group. And and I, you know, the whole principle of it was that he wanted to outsource my job. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I, I went in, I, I, I had an understanding of what was going on at that point. So I called the firm that was, you know, I'd been working with that were taking this information and asked for the report and they refused to give me the report. So I sat there for a few minutes and just sort of let an inner calm hit me and say, okay, I'm not going to run into his office right now angry uh, because that won't accomplish what I need to accomplish with the conversation. So I, uh, I sort of let that go. And I spent probably about 10 minutes just in silence sitting in my room Uh, I could hear the clock ticking and I could kind of feel the air conditioner when it would cut on and cut off. And uh, after I kind of reached that point where I was, you know, just really aware of how I was feeling and had gotten control of it, I was able to go into his, his office and have a really good discussion with him. Okay, I see. So would you say that you meditate? Is that part of your mindfulness too? And if so, tell us about it. Describe it to us. Uh, I do meditate occasionally now. Uh, it's it's. I'm not going to say it's hit or miss. It really depends on how I'm feeling inside and whether I feel like I need to meditate. So it's uh, it's driven by my my feelings and and my emotions and what's going on in my life. Just, again, just to basically deal with stress. Uh, so a, a standard for me will be about 15 minutes, and I'll usually uh, do guided meditation, and I use an app for that. Okay. Well, we'll be talking about uh, that later on. But uh, I want to ask you what mindfulness is like when you're coaching people in your, you know, as a as a health and exercise coach. You know, when you're when you're doing something you love and you're you're working with people that you care about, uh, you kind of hit, and it's similar to when you play sports and people talk about flow state. And, and I would I would equate that to this is that I'm in the moment because I have to be completely aware of the actions of my client and the emotions of my client. And so uh, from that perspective, you know, at that point in time to be good at, at being a personal trainer, you have to be in that that engaged and that aware of the moment. If you're just there counting reps, uh, your client's not going to see the benefit that you want them to see. So 
I, I just equate it to being like in a flow state. And, and to me, that, that period of time, those periods of time when I'm in that state is, is mindfulness. Right. And so that's really helping you to connect with your client from the sounds of it. And so if I, if I wanted to, Alan, become really, really healthy and get my exercise routine really down and so on, and I came to you and talked to you about this, but you felt that I didn't have a sense of mindfulness, how would you help me with the overall picture? Uh, well, I, you know, I, I would I would recommend a few things to someone, uh, you know, and, and, and really what I would do is probably start the conversation not about mindfulness so much as let's talk about some of the underlying health problems that we want to deal with, what your goals are, and then from that be able to build in what pieces of this you need. For example, if I, I ask you how well you're sleeping and you're like, well, I only sleep about five hours a night, I wake up in the middle of the night, uh, to me, that's that's indicative of a stress reaction or a fact that you don't really have a good ritual when you're going to go to bed. And so we'd probably talk about ways to improve your sleep because if you're not getting enough sleep, uh, you're not going to be healthy. That you know, when you're asleep is when all the good stuff is happening in your body. That's when you're resting. That's when your hormones are resetting. That's when your body's rebuilding. That's when your memories are being formed. Mm -hmm. And so effectively, everything good in your life happens when you're asleep. Um, so, you know, we would, we would probably talk about the sleep. We would then talk about stress level because if you're under a lot of stress, you're likely seeing elevations of cortisol. So we would talk about practices that you could use to address that. Uh, and that would include a mindfulness project, I mean, a process. And particularly, you know, in that case, I would say maybe even meditation. Right. So exercise, I know there's a lot of talk about how exercise helps relieve stress and exercise really helps us to just be uh, functioning better overall. So can you expand on that? Um, well, strangely enough, exercise is a stress, uh, but it's a good stress. Um, our bodies were built to adapt to uh, stressful situations and exercise is one of those situations. So if you're going to do resistance exercise, you're effectively stressing your muscles. And then if you give that muscle sufficient time to rest and, and recover, it will come back stronger. Now, bad stresses don't work quite as well um, for that type of thing. So if, if I'm, if I'm being chased by a tiger, I run from the tiger uh, once I'm away from the tiger, my cortisol and all that will, will settle back down, but I don't see any improvement by being chased by the tiger. Um, so, you know, I kind of class the stresses that way. In a current work environment, unfortunately, we're always being chased by the tiger. You know, deadlines, the TVs, right. all the beeps, the emails, everything that's going on around us. We're just in this this digital ocean of things that are coming at us, and all of them are those tigers that could chase us. And so... You know, I think finding those times where you can get away from the tiger and rest and recover is going to at least allow you to get back to baseline when it deals with bad stresses. For the good stresses, you just need to have a, a systemic approach to how you're going to stress the muscles or do the stress from the exercise uh, and then give yourself the opportunity to recover. 
So we have the mental stress, but then there we are sitting at a desk all day. So our body isn't able to move and and our muscles aren't able to exercise the way they normally would. And, and that stress, you said, but at the same time, our muscles are, are created to be used, right? Because if our muscles aren't used, that's really pretty much atrophy. Absolutely. Uh, you know, our ancestors, they moved a lot. Yes. Um, and and it, it it goes down to the fact that you know they had to walk around to get the food they wanted, and they had to essentially chase down some things. They had to go, uh, you know, forage for food. So we were we were moving a good bit more than we do today. And you know, when I talk about that stress response to uh, being chased by the tiger. A lot of things happen in your body when you are able to just take off running. You know, the adrenaline kicks in, some of the other hormones in your body are kicking in, and that helps settle out your whole system. When you're sitting at a desk and you're being chased by the tiger, there's no run. There's no – all those other hormone responses aren't happening. So uh, you really are just taking the brunt of it without any opportunity to really benefit from it. Um, so yeah, a good exercise would be a, a good way. And I even heard people and I've actually tried this. If, if you get into a really stressful situation, go out into the stairwell, um, and, and walk up and down those stairs a couple times. And just that raise of heart rate, the adrenaline that you're running from the tiger and you're going to see health benefits just from something that simple. Right. That makes perfect sense. Just like parking at the other end of the parking lot instead of looking for that space very close to the entrance door. Right. My truck is parked in the furthest space from the office I can possibly get. That does not surprise (laughs) me about you, Alan. And so I want to talk to you about standing desks because I know as a podcaster, that's one of the things I found, you know, I end up sitting at my desk at my computer for extended periods of time uh, once. And some of my friends have standing desks. What's your opinion on having that? I actually have a standing – it's it's actually an adjustable desk. So we talk about desk and you have seated. Uh, you know, anyone that stands on their feet for extended periods of time kind of suffers the same problems as someone who sits too long. Uh, so in a good, healthy environment, you're moving around regularly throughout the day. So I actually have adjustable desks uh, both now in my home office and in my office uh, at uh, work. And so these are desks that I'll sit and adjust up and down. And I've also got a couple other uh, uh, instruments that I use. I use a, uh, a basu ball that's a balance ball that I'll sit on rather than sitting on a chair. And I have a uh, fluid stance balance board that I use that basically has just enough wobble in it that my legs are engaged a, a bit more than they would be if I were just standing. So, you know, I think there's ways that you can incorporate movement without distracting you from your work. And if you can do that, you absolutely should. Okay, so do you move your desk up and down like every 30 minutes or every 40 minutes or something to just keep that change happening? Absolutely, yeah. It's a little button I push. It goes, you know, the one I have for home, it actually has three settings. So I have three different settings I I can move across during the day. And I do shift as often as I feel necessary. Cool. Now, I haven't heard of a fluid stance balance board before. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, it looks like a slightly large uh, skateboard. Okay. The bottom of it kind of has a curved um, posture to it. So it'll tilt maybe about an inch in any direction. It's just the way it's kind of built. And so with that, you know, if I'm going to reach across 
to grab something, then I'm going to see it. It's going to shift a little. So, uh, but if I'm just kind of standing there, it, you just have to kind of like it's just like a wobble. It's got a little wobble to it. So you just after a while, you're you're you adjust to it, and you're, you're never going to go too far that you're going to fall off of it. It's it's kind of designed in a way that just makes it so that you actually have to be engaged with your lower body while you're standing there. You can't just lock your knees and stand. I see. So I'm getting the picture. You're sitting at your desk on your balance ball, but when you stand, you're standing on your balance board. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I'll okay. I'll send you a picture of the balance board and my desk uh, if you'd like to have that for your show notes. Oh, yeah. I'd love that. That would be great. So really what you're doing is you're doing mindful standing and you're doing mindful sitting and it's just helping your body to be in peak uh, condition. Yes. Well, it, it's helping me uh, fight against the other things that I'm doing while I'm in the workplace, because I'm in fluorescent lights and a lot of other things. So, uh, you know, there are all these stressors and anything you can do to uh, eliminate some or any of them, you should. Have you ever used a treadmill desk, Alan? I haven't yet. And uh, I've considered getting one, but uh, I, I just haven't tried one yet. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I've often wondered about that, whether I would be able to concentrate on my work and and really do the same level of work if I were also, uh, you know, walking or running on a treadmill at the same time. Well, from what I've read on them, you know, you'll you'll start at a very, very slow speed uh, and then get comfortable and you'll eventually find your your comfort zone, you know, the speed with which you can walk and then still uh, complete all of your tasks. It's kind of the same thing with that wobble board. Uh, you know, you, you get on it the first time you step on it, you're a little uncomfortable, but then you kind of start developing the skills and then you don't even, I, sometimes I, I forget I'm even standing on it, but again, it's not something that I could fall off of. Right. Sure. Okay. Well, this is all very interesting and I can imagine that it, that it can help you to keep attentive at your work instead of, you know, you might get a little bit, um, lose your focus. And, and basically that's what mindfulness does. It helps you be focused and helps you to be in tuned with what you're doing. So let's talk about discipline, Alan, uh, with what you do. I mean, both as an auditor and as a, as a trainer, it's a lot of this is about discipline. What are your thoughts on discipline? Well, discipline will come if you have balance in your life. Okay. Um, if, you're, if you're trying to do something that's, that's not natural to you, um, and try to stick with it, then, then now you're, you're, you're relying on willpower and motivation and, and things like that. And that's, that's where the challenge comes in. So, um, you know, making gradual changes to your life, uh, slowly incorporating them, those things into your life that are good and trying to eliminate some things that are bad, uh, you end up with a sustainable lifestyle. You end up with balance. And, and if you keep balance in your life, uh, then you're going to have fewer problems. And, you know, uh, there have been periods of my, of my life when I was much more focused on my career than anything else. Uh, and I suffered for that. And so I would just encourage people that, you know, find balance and then you can slowly start working from that, that point. 
So in finding balance, I'm guessing the first step is finding your niche, determining what you really, truly love to do. Because I heard you say before that you absolutely love your work as an auditor. So is that part of the secret is discovering what you really, truly love? I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the basic principle is you, you, you try to find the intersection between what you're good at, what people need and, and what you love. And if you can, you can get into the middle of all three of those where they intersect. Um, that's, that's where you belong. That's where you're going to find, uh, the, the most, you know, encouragement, the most enlightenment and, and, you know, satisfaction with your job, with, with your life, everything. So it's easy to get out of balance. It's easy to get into doing some other things because you think that's what you have to do. Um, but again, if you're finding those areas where you're happy and you're able to make other people happy, uh, it's, it's going to be much more enriching for you. Right. Well, I know my son, like I mentioned, he's he's just starting high school, but he's still at that point where he's starting to think about what do I want to do in my life as a career? And I noticed that there are quite a few young people that just kind of fall into a certain area depending on whether it's something their parents want them to do or whether they, you know they suddenly find they have an opportunity in an area. But this really makes perfect sense. Think of those three things, what you're good at, what people need, and what you absolutely love. And so where that intersects, yeah, that makes sense. And, and so you can – Actually, I think discover those three things by being mindful and being aware of what you love and what you're good at and that kind of thing. That, that makes sense. So tell us more about um, when mindfulness first came to you as something that you really that you really um, – embraced. You talked a little bit about that, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, uh, where you first started learning about mindfulness. Well, you know, it was, uh, like I said, it's been a slow evolution. I was doing things that were mindful without knowing I was doing them. But uh, I would say probably about three years ago when I kind of did that self-discovery, I realized that there were there were points in time when I felt my best. And there were point and, and, and I could actually tell you where I was and what I was doing during those points of time. And typically it involved uh, being out in nature. It involved being alone, strangely enough, uh, but having family close by. And it was, it was those times that I could look back on and say, you know, that's, that's one of the best times. That's, that's, that's when I'm really me. And, uh, you know, as I started kind of thinking about what that was, it really kind of hit me that what I was doing was I was meditating. And, uh, you know, it was in those moments where I, you know, something great was happening inside me. I was I was figuring something out that had, you know, that was going to help my life going forward. And so uh, that's really when it kind of hit me. What I was doing was without any guidance or anything, I was literally sitting on the beach meditating and that's, you know, that's kind of how it came about. And now I've done a little bit more uh, work to understand meditation and, uh, you know, build more of it into my life. Yeah. Thanks for expanding on that. A lot of the people that I interview talk about nature and how that really helps them to be mindful. And it's hard to say whether it's the nature that helps them or the mindfulness helps them to kind of 
connect with nature. But it's it's really interesting how, you know, being alone, being with nature, or being with, you know, close to family, those things can all help you to be mindful and, and to help you feel connected. Now, I want to talk about the topic of bullying. I've been involved in that for uh, quite some time. Do you have a story about bullying that you can share with us that might involve mindfulness? I will. In a, you know, it's uh it's probably not one of my proudest moments, but uh, when I was in high school, um, I was I was a jock, you know, mm-hmm. uh, played all the sports I could play and uh, was fairly good at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there was an individual at the school um, that was talking about the football team who was not on the football team. And so I confronted him. And I didn't think much of that encounter other than I, I felt like I'd gotten my message across to him that if he didn't come out and play football and go through what we go through, then I really, you know, he shouldn't be expressing how poor he feels the football team is playing. At any rate, I, you know, I, again, I, I kind of shook that off. And about two years later, I was was working at the public library. I was about to leave that job and they, they needed me to hire my replacement. And he comes walking in mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, he was quite, disturbed to see me. Yes. Uh, Again, I didn't realize the impact I had had on him. I didn't, you know, I didn't think of myself as a bully. Right. So, you know, I, I I told him, I said, okay, you know, I understand you're upset. Go, go into the bathroom and collect yourself. And then let's just sit down and have a conversation. Right. And so while he was in the bathroom, uh, getting himself together, I, you know, just sat down and kind of said, okay, you know, I need to, I need to be here. I need to uh, be aware of what he's feeling and I need to communicate with him in a way that is completely non-threatening and helps him understand that I, I, I'm only here to help him because he's going to be taking this job and I need him to learn how to do the job. And we're not going to get there if, uh, if he can't let go of that and us actually work together. Right. And so he came out and we started having some conversations. Uh, and then, of course, over the course of the two weeks, I trained him. Uh, and, you know, uh, the relationship was so much better after that. And again, it's not that there was a relationship before because I, I hadn't really even seen the kid mm-hmm. in, in nearly two years. But uh, I didn't realize what an impact just a single event coming from me. And, and again, not intending to be a bully, but just having a frustration uh, that I needed to get out. And uh, again, not one of my proudest moments, but, you know, it kind of taught me that uh, how I'm perceived yes. is more important than what my intention is. Right. Well, you know what? I I think it, it sounds like you handled it really, really well. And you handled it in a way kind of mindfully, the way you, you just took time and you gave him a chance to deal with it. So Sounds sounds like you really handled it well. Alan, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, that would be my wife. Um, and I think a lot of that is because when I leave the office, um, I really need to leave the office and be present with my wife um, and, and our pets, our dogs. And so, you know, to me, when I'm driving home, I try to really get inside my head and, and, and let all that stress, all that stuff from the day go. So when I get home, I can be uh, present and with my wife. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? 
when I'm, when I'm in good practice, when I'm doing well, I'm, I'm very, very calm. Um, when I'm not, uh, you know, the, the frustration will come out and, and I'm not so calm. So I would say when I'm doing it well, it's, it's all about calmness and serenity and um, happiness. Tell us how breathing is a part of your mindfulness practice, Alan. That's probably where I struggle the most. And that's why I like to use the, the guided meditation. Right. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? Okay, well, it's it's not really a book about mindfulness so much, but I think it's a book that anyone who's thinking about mindfulness should uh, experience. And it's called Essentialism by Greg, Greg McNown. And McCown, yeah, he's um, and it basically it's it's a book that's kind of speaks to simplifying your life to focus on what matters most. And what I found with the book was to be truly successful at doing that, you you have to be present, you have to be aware of yourself. So uh, it 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 sort of requires you to to be a little bit mindful, although that's not what the book's premise is. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Uh, yes, I, I love the Headspace app. Uh, it's essentially free when you first get it. There are 10 10-minute 10 sessions to kind of walk you through a guided meditation. Uh, once you get past that, you can purchase uh, the additional modules, and um, they've got all kinds of stuff. It's, it's really great for guided meditation. So what advice, Alan, would you give to a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Well, mindfulness is not just about meditating and it's not just about points in time. Uh, you know, just easing into a, a couple of minutes in a ritual and it can be as simple as when I'm brushing my teeth at night to get ready for bed, I'll have a certain ritual that includes that brushing my teeth. And, and when I'm done with that, you know, I should have cleared my mind and made myself ready. And so that's really to me where it all comes down is it's those little moments when you sit down and prepare yourself for what is about to happen that's going to help you be successful. All right. Excellent. Alan, you have really shared some great information with us today, and it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you. Tell, tell us how Mindful Tribe can contact you or learn more about what you do. Okay. Well, the website is older.fitness. And again, that's older.fitness. It's a, it's a, the TLD fitness. Uh, and there's also a Facebook group, uh, for older fitness. And I'll make sure you have the link for your show notes for folks. If they want to go find the Facebook group, Facebook page. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. That sounds excellent. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Alan. Great talking with you and all the best to you. Thank you. Okay. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.